Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast and welcome to our watch club for the Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is this some sort of staring contest? Hello, I'm J-Law, but you can call me Justin, and this is our watch club for Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 4, Part 4. If you're joining us for the first time, well, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we say... Hello there. Let me introduce you to my rebel from the Outer Rim. I don't even know if that's a thing. He's the dankest dude in Dagobah, Mr. Darcy Hudson. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> this episode. As you wield a lightsaber for our listeners who cannot see, uh, Darcy is wielding his lightsaber, which I believe is a Jedi Order uh jedi fallen order style yes, saber is actually cal kestis okay i felt that might be to pick uh, this one up uh, because of this episode that we'll definitely get into in a bit oh yes i i as we were talking offline before we got into it i, I you were saying that there's some interesting tidbits of the game and i i've played the game and i see them so very interested to 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 pick your brain about maybe the larger relevance that this might have for the star wars universe uh, given that it does seem to point a lot of uh, reference, at least a lot of Jedi Fallen Order. But um, before we get into this week's episode, I would very much love to know, because it's your first time being on this watch club. I know you were, were on the Ms. Marvel one, which should be out by now. I'm hoping it'll be out by now. It, it is, it's out right now. It, it's out. Um, and uh, I know you're on that one. So, you know, this is your first time we're at episode four. I'd love to know what, what have you been thinking of this Obi-Wan series thus far? And I, I believe you, you and Nate actually watched the first two episodes at Celebration with, with a large audience. So maybe you can share a little bit more about what that experience was like. Uh, yeah, so the first two episodes, like you said, uh, I was in the celebration stage uh, of Star Wars Celebration with the probably a 5,000 crowd audience. And it was like watching a, a, a big movie release and really amplified the whole experience, which was incredible. Uh, I'm loving the series so far as it's uh, it seems like it's a really in-depth character analysis of a broken man and like how mm -hmm. it's really interesting to see how he goes, he'll go from this broken place that we were introduced to in episode one to what looks like he's regaining that hope he had and we'll see in his appearance in uh, a new hope where he's the exactly. general and inspiring master that we have yet to see in this series. So I, I I'm really digging that. And the, a lot of the parallels they're doing between his story and Anakin's seems to really be building that relationship of brothers who have, you know, made the greatest sacrifice or, you know, left the other one to die type thing. Like it's just sure. really cool character analysis that I love to see in star Wars. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Deborah, Deborah Chow went on the record of saying, uh, the director of the series, uh, she, she went on the record of saying, you know, this is very much a character study, something that you would see from a Logan or mm -hmm. a Joker-style movie where it is very character-focused and kind of uh, uh, deconstructing that character and understanding more. Um, so I think that, yeah, it, it definitely does hit those notes. I'm with you there. I think sometimes a couple of these episodes have strayed, but uh, I think the the intent 
is is there and uh, very much so in, in terms of, of what we get. So uh, why don't we get right into this, this episode. Episode four kicks off with Obi-Wan being saved by Tala, uh, who ab- abandoned Leia last week to save the Jedi Knight. In order to heal him from his wounds, Obi-Wan is taken to Jabium uh, and placed in a Bacta tank to heal. Now, while he heals, he's hearing sounds from the last episode and flashes from the duel that he had with Vader. And bo- it seems that seemingly both Obi-Wan and Vader are in the back to tank together. And it seems like the way they cut this together, it seems like they're reaching out to each other through the force, which I thought was was very interesting. But uh, this causes Obi-Wan to sort of awaken and, and pull himself out of the back to tank and not being fully healed, he is determined to find Leia and get her back yet again. Uh, while here in Jabium, Obi-Wan sees a small team uh, that can only be described as as a small group of rebels. I, I felt like we were looking and seeing a very early reb- rebels group uh, that are helping those to seek refuge from the Empire. Tala introduces Obi-Wan to Roken, pleading with Roken... Uh, sorry... Obi-Wan introduces, sorry, Tala introduces Obi-Wan to Roken, who's actually played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son. Uh, and I was, he was, he was definitely casted in this and we, everyone was interested to see who he's going to play. I know some people on Twitter were thinking that he was going to play uh, Quinlan, which I thought was pretty, which was, was pretty Quinlan Voss, which I thought would have been, would have been pretty cool. But would've it seems neat. as though he is, yeah, it would have been neat, but it seems as though he is playing Roken, basically the leader of this small rebel group that is uh, basically managing the path if you will um he shares a story with obi-wan about his his wife being taken by inquisitors and he just he cannot justify risking and drawing attention to them obi-wan continues to make a case and roken and eventually agrees to help obi-wan thankfully him and the small rebel team that they have have crucial intel to help namely that the base is on the planet nur uh, or sorry is on nur uh the watery moon in the mustafar system and uh, and that uh, the the base that uh, the Inquisitors have doesn't have any shields because, as Tala admits, they they're not scared. They don't think anyone's going to come and attack them. So uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. But in order to get Leia back, Tala comes up with a plan to use her officer clearance as a way to infiltrate the base to get Obi Wan in undetected, and it's certainly a risky plan, but. The two set their sights on getting Leia back. Okay, so let's let's stop here for a second. So as we were talking, there were some things that I, I kind of thought. First, let's talk about this back-to-tank scene. I thought it's kind of interesting given what we've seen in the Book of Boba Fett, how the back-to-tank was used as this sort of temporal uh, transition through through one's life. And here it seems like it, it also has very much that, that quality. What did you think about Vader and Obi-Wan kind of having this, this moment in the back-to-tank? I thought it was wicked. Again, I feel like they're really driving home this whole sensory deprivation, which leads mm-hmm. to these very lucid thoughts in real life and stuff like that. So I can see that easily happening if you're force sensitive, where you were that much more connected or aware of its presence and stuff like that. And I really liked how once like Obi-Wan started realizing more what was happening and coming to, he got out of there because he was afraid. I feel like he... Vader was tracking him and was trying to find him and like he was he's like I gotta get out of here I gotta get Leia and I gotta go home I don't this I'm done he looks like he's yeah, very I, very scared I agree with that sentiment I agree with that sentiment it, it it almost seemed like he pulled himself out of fear obviously fear for for what's gonna happen to Leia but also the fear of 
of of being seen and i use air quotes around that through the force with with vader obviously now aware that he is out there and and there's this uh, connectivity that they share um you know meeting roken and and seeing this this small group you know i was just speaking to it as i was as i was outlining the story but do you think this is what we're seeing here like a small rebel group like the importance of having leia in this story is that she gets her inspiration to then be in a new hope fighting for the rebellion do you know what I mean? Like, I think that this is the groundwork that helps establish that. So I'm wondering if what we're seeing here, especially with Tala, this, this strong female, you know, very forward in, in her approach of how she's going to save the day. It's, it's almost an inspiration of, of hope for, for Leia. Am I, am I wrong to think that? Or, or what are you I thinking? totally agree with that. I don't know if this would be like the same rebel forces that we see Leia leading sure. or, or conspiring with in A New Hope. Uh, just right. because that these pe- this this path seems to be very focused on helping the Jedi, and we know by the time a New Hope rolls around, there aren't many left, and this whole right. Inquisitor program has been shut down because there's no reason for them anymore. So, right, it, it's it's pretty safe to say I think that this is definitely the inspiration for Leia. She's seeing all these planets and how the Empire is affecting what they're supposed to be helping, but they aren't. They're just ruling and conquering all these planets and putting so many people in subjugation that I think that is definitely the big inspiration for her. And then again, with Tala's character being that woman who uses, she's not the strongest, but she's smarter than everyone else around her. So you she'll use her brain to fight her battles, which I think sums up Leia to a a T for as much as we saw her in that original trilogy. So it's incredible. I think it's a really cool parallel or like you said, like here, a heroine figure for her to look up to. For sure, because I, I don't think that, that this is her mom at all, because I think that when we see Leia in all of the stories that we see Princess Leia as and even in the, the sequel trilogies as well, she has the diplomatic side that her mother gave her. But I think Tala, Tala is going to serve as an inspiration of that heroine, mm-hmm. how you can be both right, like using that power, using that power for good in a way right using her gifts for good um so it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting thing to be introducing someone like tala and then also have leia i maybe we're just giving way more importance to tala and and that she's going to serve but i feel like even in the last episode when she's like hey can you teach me to shoot like she wants to fight like she Mm -hmm. she wants to fight and she even says she'll be a great fighter one day Right. And I think that that's just a that's just a great sort of acknowledgement of that. That inspiration came from somewhere. So I feel like seeing this rebel group and, and stuff like that, even though she's not there for us to see the groundwork here, it really does imply how this is all just seed planting for the events that would would inevitably be a new hope. Totally. I, that's one thing I've loved about this series so far with Leia's introduction, which was a total surprise. And again, being in that massive arena with the cast behind us a few seats away, like listening to our re- reactions, it was really something to be, oh my God, that's Leia. And totally by her growing up into the rebel princess that we know and love from the original trilogy. Exactly. So like yeah. everything that they're doing for this character to me is just building up what we know is to come and they're doing such a good job of laying the, this, this groundwork to that is believable as to why this princess is fighting for the rebels. And it's, I love it. Right. Just before I move on too, I want to, you mentioned the back of tank earlier and that was very reminiscent of the one that Luke was in that we, in the original trilogy. Yes. And we also get the T-47 mention, uh, like thing they brought down at So at some point they go from being freighter haulers or just tow things to being an actual viable field operation vehicle and i always feel like this is right 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 laying the groundwork for that the, 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 Obi, the general obi-wan's like we can use them 
and later on we see them being used in a very pivotal battle for Hoth. So I thought that it was really cool to, to get that little groundwork laid at least. Oh, there's another moment like that that I feel like is going to come up at the end, and I want your theory on it. So, so hang on to that as well. Um, but you know, you were mentioning Leia beforehand. Uh, let's let's continue here. Uh, Leia is kept prisoner by Riva, who who mocks the young princess, claiming that Obi Wan is dead and that no one is coming for her. Leia is then interrogated by Riva, who demands to know where the path is. Instead, Leia asks questions about Obi Wan's death and resists. Reva's force powers in a lovely little echo that felt familiar to I feel like a new hope in some aspects just how she she resisted but I'm gonna stop here because this is I, I know that you're 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 it's your first time on here and I want to just powwow with you through the moments that we've seen are we seeing Leia using force sensitivity powers throughout these episodes like th- this is not the only instance that we see her you know we go back to the first episode where she's chewing out her cousin and, and reading him really really well and then i think it was in the second episode where she she outright calls out obi-wan for hiding something on her and then in in the third episode her sort of sense of reading the situation and understanding that obi-wan actually knew her real mother in those instances in here do you feel like we're, we're seeing force sensitive leia kind of at work Definitely. Uh, I totally think that because we know the force begins to show itself at a young age across all species. And with her Skywalker heritage, obviously she's going to be strong with the force. But what I like about it is that it's not her outwardly using the force powers to move things or or fight or anything like that. It's very much the emotional connectivity, which is the almost the opposite half of what Luke is known for. So it's very cool to see... The, the divergence in these characters. I'm fully on board with Leia being vindication. More sensitive vindication. To, I told. I think a lot of people are are agreeing with me in this in the the sure. presentation of Leia for sure because we're going we're getting to see how the Force was strong with her and it was that opposite half. She wasn't a fighter, but she could connect with people and and read people just on a, another level. And I I love it, and I think it's really yeah. cool that maybe this series will end with her realizing that yes she is strong with the force but she needs to hide it type thing so maybe she always knew that she was special but maybe can't use her powers because of what is out there she's seen some pretty scary stuff i now understand why she wasn't phased when darth vader first gets her in in a new hope so oh see that's that's interesting because you bring up a really good point you know i wonder if obi-wan will hint at it but i i agree with you i really like that we're taking the approach of looking at leia's force sensitivity as the opposite of that of luke uh very emotional very almost internal too right mm-hmm. it's not outward and pushing it's very internal and it is evaluating the internal um emotions of another person that isn't requiring she's she's very much doing what reva's trying to do in this scene where she's going into their minds but very vulnerably right like she's not like reva here is very forceful and because leia is so strong and i'm i'm really surprised that reva didn't sense something here like did that not surprise you like she did say your 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 will is very strong like that is maybe not the most force sensitive thing. We all know that, you know, there are people out there who have strong minds, you know, sure. without being the force sensitive uh, as a Jedi, like force sensitive forces with us all. So that right. is something that is believable that people could have a moment of great connection to the force when standing up against them. There's something afraid of. So I totally buy her just being like, Oh, this is a one-time thing. She's just a defiant little princess type thing, like, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I not worried that she didn't pick up on it. I, I feel like, again, maybe we will see something more going forward because she's okay. now seen, or again, going later on in the episode, she sees what some of the force can do potentially. So, 
Yes, that's true. That is true. All right, let's get back to this. Uh, we then cut to Obi-Wan and Tala touching down on the Inquisitor base. Tala leads the charge uh, and moves to secure access to allow Obi-Wan to sneak in. She's then stopped by a security officer who has a little discussion with her about authority and who outranks who. Uh, and after getting past that, she ends up sitting down at a workstation uh, with, with other officers in the vicinity. Uh, Tala whispers into her comms device, I'm inside the system. Uh, and, and she overrides an access point, which allows Obi-Wan to uh, infiltrate the, the shieldless base by swimming from, from underwater. After taking out a stormtrooper, Obi-Wan progresses through the base, avoids a slew of droids as Tala guides Obi-Wan around other various threats. Despite talking loudly and someone next to her turning and, and looking very surprised at whatever she's, she's doing with her calm, uh, it seems like Tala hasn't drawn any attention. Well, until, of course, a superior... Uh, ends up reprimanding her and saying, I'd like to have a word with you. Uh, and then she proceeds to knock him out out of a, a partition wall that is clearly visible. Uh, and they did some weird camera work here where they, you know, she she goes back to her workstation and she says, I, I had some company. Uh, and the camera pans to reveal this 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 dude lying there on the ground. And it just, it felt really strange that it just felt so open that all of this was happening and no one was was seeing it. It felt like a video game. You know in a video game when you like go up behind someone but there's other people and it's like you're they're just out of the range so they won't see anything. It, it kind of felt like that in this moment. It just felt very very clunky. So that leads me to my question, what did you think of this sort of crackpot plan that they had and this whole sequence of events that I just went through. Again, very reminiscent of Fallen Order. This is one of the first instances. Again, you're coming up to the fall the Fortress Inquisitorius. Oh, it's it's yeah. the same shot as you see in Fallen Order. And then sure enough, you swim up to it much like you do in Fallen Order. So a lot of mirroring mm. right off the bat at this familiar place to at least the gaming fans of uh, the Star Wars universe. And I thought it was great. This the one Part of my problems with the episode do arise here, though, with Tala's ease of sneaking mm -hmm. in. Now, her talking her way past the security guard is very believable because uh, yes. as established in the Thrawn trilogy of books by uh, Timothy Zahn, uh, fear and superiority and ranking is very, like you're, everyone's afraid of whoever's above them in the mm. empire. And that's how the emperor rules is through fear. Okay. Even his subordinates are okay. afraid of whoever's in charge of them and leading up to the emperor. So it's very right. believable that as soon as she flashes rank, that he would go pale in the face and be like, oh, never mind. Okay, you're right. Go on through. And he can always say that she used rank on me and there it's a believable excuse in the empire because rank has everything. So that part was okay. Right. It was the, sure. the loud talking and again, no reaction from the guy beside her and during her it talking. It didn't seem secure. Like it, it didn't. It yeah. was not a very, like I said, it's a very open place and, and like, there was not a lot of like no sound barriers. Just, I'm very confused. Yeah, I know. Like, I feel like A New Hope did this part better, where mm -hmm. the droids were able to isolate themselves in a room and then do their, their, you know, their yes, they they close the doors, hacking, and no one can see them exactly. Yeah, right. So I I wish they would have treated it like that. Like maybe she goes into a room uh, that allows her access. That's a, like a dedicated workstation, right? And she's in there manipulating. Someone's like, "Hey, who are you?" She takes them out, puts them in the room with her, finishes up what she's doing. I feel like there could have been a better way to handle this. I, I just. You you called it out. It, it it's the the sort of absurdity and the um the 
this the slickness of just how convenient everything worked out for her in this favor i just mm-hmm. I, I don't as soon as she know, sat down at the terminal yeah as soon as she sat down the terminal i started losing faith in this deception thing because again fear goes a long way until the person next to you is talking into their hand rather mm-hmm. loudly while suspiciously typing at this computer like it was just raising so many flags that like, yeah, you can hear the other person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't get it. It's like, that person's not having a regular conversation about this base, but whatever. I'm just going to keep hitting my buttons. Because when Obi-Wan is taking on these other, these two stormtroopers who they hear his comm link go off. Do you know what I mean? So it, clearly, react they're it, able they're to wearing hear helmets. It, they react to Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. It just, it, it, it added a sort of clunky narrative piece that I just, I don't think we needed. I think it could have been handled a lot mm-hmm. different. Like you said, if, even if it was a door or hell, give me a couple cubicles. Have her sitting in one of those where there's at least a division of the line of sight where you can't just look over and see the next guy to you. Like that's, that's where you said it took, took me right out of it. Well, now we're getting to some good stuff here, and, and I might actually stop here and then uh, move into the next part. But uh, while exploring the basement level of this fortress, Obi-Wan discovers what can only be described as a tomb of Jedis. Uh, and we see a variety of Jedis here preserved in what it looks like a, a sort of ember color fluid very very jurassic park yes i will say that right it felt very jurassic park now you are the dankest dude from dagobah so you know your shit i know you saw some jedis here i want to know who did you see in this in this tomb of jedis uh now i i've watched it twice now and i watched the second time i did pause several times as you walked through the tomb the only one I can say for certain that I saw, uh, and I can't even remember his name off the top of my head, I just remember him from the one library episode in Clone Wars, uh, where Ahsoka yeah. and Jocasta knew, and this old, sleepy, bumbling Jedi master who trained Dooku and Sifo Dias. Yeah, he's the weird horse-looking guy. Seeing him, that's like, he was important, and knowing... Va- from in the comics, one of Vader's first fights after becoming Vader was ag- against Jocasta Nu. So it's yes. almost cool to think that like shortly after that, he went on to deal with this guy, the other librarian from uh, the temple. So that was a very yeah. you know heartbreaking thing to see that he has passed. But again, it's weird that they all had their eyes open, it looked like. That's what confused yeah. me. Because if they're dead... Did, did, before he freezed them, did he just go around like prying their eyes open and being like, okay, now they look scared. Well, Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so the Jedi that I think you're you're referring to is Tara Sanub, who was featured in, That's in the it. Clone Wars in the library episode. Um, and that was that was like, that was pretty apparent. And uh, like right away, there was people that were calling out certain background characters. Oh, it's Mace Windu. And it's like, no. I, I oh, well, that guy had his fun. hand, so I don't think it was <laughs> yeah, Mace exactly. Windu. That was yeah, the one exactly. giveaway for me, at least. And I also saw, people <laughs> also said Quinlan Voss. And I'm like, that guy didn't have a bright yellow tattoo on his eyes. I mean, it was all one color for yeah. his face. So I'm ho- hoping that well, there's, wasn't Quinlan. There's there's a there's a crap ton of Jedi's that are 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 entombed down here. And you're you're right. Like, why are their eyes open? The only thing that I I think raises the question: Are they alive? Are they In being stasis? saved for some sort of experimentation? Like, I mean, I feel like if they're being saved for anything, we know how much cloning seems to be the backstory of almost all these Star Wars shows going on right now. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised right. if this is the beginning of, of the Emperor's experiments to try and clone himself and prolong his life through the creation of another body or whatever. Like Again, that the Metachlorian count is hard to replicate when you're cloning, whereas that seems to be the issue at least. So that yeah, was my absolutely. one thing is that these are just test subjects, like you said. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's, I think, yeah, they, they seem like they're frozen in amber to sort of signify that, that they're, they're, they serve a value. Uh, they serve a purpose uh, beyond just being dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that that's, that's the intriguing part outside of this whole thing is that in the basement of this, you know, Inquisitor base, we have uh, a tomb of Jedi's. Uh, so it's 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 nuts to think about uh, where this could go and and how this might show itself in other series down the road. Because you know you know given that even the Mandalorian is has touched on cloning, um, we, we also have Bad Batch, which is the prelude to these events. How mm-hmm. can we see stuff like that kind of show itself earlier or later? Who knows? It, it's, it is interesting to see. I think that was probably the coolest takeaway for me. Now, I don't recall a tomb, though, in the video game, uh, the Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, was there a tomb where Jedis were kept? No, we didn't see that in Fallen Order. Again, when we, in both Fallen Order and this show, we've seen how massive this facility actually is. Like yeah, that, absolutely. Very much tip of the iceberg is what you see when you're flying up to it, but it expands so much further under the water. So yeah, very yeah. easily to believe that you went down a different tunnel. Although we did see the same interrogation room, I must say, where Leo is taken is also in Fallen Order. So that was pretty cool to see the transition yeah, to live it, action I, from video game. <laughs> So they are really adopting a lot of the architecture because like I only remember like from what I remember the game it's been a long time since I played it but you don't really get to the Inquisitor base until till the end. It's the final your final confrontation like uh, confrontation confrontation with Vader. With, with Vader You're trying yeah, to exactly get your ma- your master back or the person who's been helping right. you along your journey. Yeah. So it's yeah 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 because because I think they were in the interrogation room yes. that you're speaking of right yes. yes that's right okay then i'm remembering it it's it's <laughs> all coming back to me it's all coming back to me uh but yes as you're mentioning uh you know continuing here reva takes leah leah out of her cell to that large open interrogation area and she's ready to get answers and demands leah to speak or die this woman's about to kill a kid man i can't believe it leah remains defiant until the end but thankfully, Tala sets up a distraction for them all to just just get by. Thankfully, she's around. Uh, Tala brings Riva out and claims that she has found evidence of the path. Although Riva sees straight through her deception, Tala is persistent and insists that she's a double agent. So she's going so far as to say, "No, no, I'm 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 with them, but I'm 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 like secretly with them. I'm really with you." Playing as a triple uh, so agent like, at this point, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, right. Like, I, it feels like it's like, oh yeah, it's so silly. Uh, meanwhile, Obi Wan shuts off all the lights and manages to free Leia using his lightsaber. Finally, in some badass uh, slashing of some stormtroopers, as the alarms wail, Tala gets away from two stormtroopers and manages to manages to leave the room while Reva hurries off to try to track down Leia and Obi-Wan. And speaking of which, Obi-Wan and Leia thwart off threats of numerous stormtroopers. Again, just he's wielding that lightsaber, just bouncing their blasters around. Uh, but one of those blasts ca- caused the glass to shatter in the underwater base. As the glass cracks, Obi-Wan uses the force to hold off the water, but it's too much. Tala shows up just in the nick of time and manages to take Leia out while Obi-Wan, seizing the opportunity, lets go of the, of the water and r- proceeds to run towards Tala, shutting the door and holding off the water. My friend, he d- redirected that. I'm not sure if you saw, but he sent it down to the window right by the troopers. So it was more than just holding it back. He 
took the pressure and put it somewhere more useful to him. And I thought that was oh, incredible. It's because again, huge parallel to uh, Fallen Order because that's how you get right. away from Vader in the very end of the game is you're going through one of those underwater tunnels and you he, the glass breaks and he has to stop and hold it back while you run away with your master. And it's just like, all right, I, we're going to see so many, we're going to see Cal Kestis in this, in this series is what you're Give saying. Me essentially. Give me him. Yeah. I want, I, I want I to wonder... see a live action. It'd be so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, you're right. I, I guess you're absolutely right. He did. He did actually force push it. I, I thought it was cause he couldn't hold it. You know, he's still he's still he, not he strong. Still couldn't with the hold force, it, but, but he did move it, which is move it. does take he a lot. Okay. Also, I mean okay. him using cool. his lightsaber again, we gotta see the Obi-Wan twirl. Like he did the twirl after taking out one of those guys. It was he's getting yeah. his mojo back slowly, I think. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think the Vader fight kind of you know, has put him on edge a little. And and also just leading up to obviously this moment, which was probably the highlight of, of what I, I just outlined, but everything leading up here, you know, the interrogation, you know, again, Moses Ingram is doing an amazing job playing Reva. I think she's giving like, she's, she's putting so much emotion and energy into this role and into this character to help define it. I think what's lacking for me is kind of more of an understanding of where that aggression and where that's coming from other than just her wanting the Grand Inquisitor position. And I think here, acting off of someone like the young actress that plays Leia, uh, Vivian Lair Blair, I believe her name is, um, them acting off of each other, I think that was one of the highlights. But then this sort of clunky narrative again with with Tala, like it just felt really like, it just felt really shoehorned in. Like she's definitely the savior in this, in this episode. Um, but she's kind of this, this whole, her whole story is a little clunky uh, for, for me and kind of, again, something that kind of takes me out of the episode where I'm just like, what is happening right now? Like, why are we spending time here? Again, her dialogue was great. I believe her lies, the way she was trying sure. to play the triple agent. It made sense. It was a believable, tr like try to way to talk your way out of it. And of course, again, that fear coming through in her voice is part of the job in the empire. So right. it's, Everyone is supposed to be afraid of the Inquisitors. So that that isn't something new to me. It's more when she fights her way out. I didn't know f palming a stormtrooper in the eye makes them fall down unconscious. That seems like a very bad yes. design flaw in the armor. So again, her, yeah, it's, her it's escape was... choreography. Yeah, yeah, not choreographed very well. And that's where, again, no. it took me right out of it. It's like, okay, again, bought the whole dialogue like that. But as soon as she swung a fist, I'm like, oh, that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was kind of awkward. It was it was a little awkward that whole choreographed scene. But again, like you know, the acting from all of these characters, you know, from from Tala to to Riva to Leia, like they they they're they're just they're doing such a great job with with actually believing their characters. I just feel like what's in in this episode, especially, it's just awkward writing, awkward situations, and maybe just you know, again, choreography doesn't necessarily play into. The writing, that part, it's kind of like you, you watch that choreography happen of how she escapes. And it's kind of like, well, that was a little clunky. That was a little mm -hmm. awkward. Aside from that clunky aspect, the, the Reva, Reva's reasoning for doing what she's doing, I think comes a lot from, in my opinion, uh, the fact that she hates Obi-Wan so much. And one of the theories I saw, I can't really take credit for it, but I believe wholeheartedly is that she was a youngling at the Jedi Temple, like everyone thinks she is. And that because Obi-Wan sent out that message, don't go back to the Jedi Temple, he was forsaking her and everyone else trapped there. 
So obviously the reason she's where she is is because of Obi-Wan and that leads to such hatred. So I, that's, I, that oh, is, that's the, that's the missing link. Cause I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how Obi-Wan, cause I'm totally with you. I, I, I think from the get go, the way the, the way the whole episode one starts, you know, we're, we're in the Jedi temple. We see these younglings, we see them escape. And then the next thing we see is the inquisitors landing. And in this moment where the grand inquisitor was meant to, I think kind of, I would have thought the Grand Inquisitor was meant to shine. You know, Reva really shines and she's really seen as like kind of like, you know, very power hungry and aggressive. So, the, the you know, going from that, from the Jedi Temple scene into this, it just kind of helped kind of anchor that Reva is one of those kids from the Jedi Temple. Especially if you remember the fact that the Grand Inquisitor was once a Jedi Temple guard. So he was close to these Padawans at the time of Order 66, most likely. So... Who was to say that he I did not know that? Yeah, that's one of his backstory. One of the main parts of his backstory. He was originally a Jedi Temple Guard, so that's that's where his Force sensitivity came from. Is because he was also a part of the Jedi, I believe. Uh, and so again, that would have be the reasoning why he knows Reva so much, and why they both like he can talk down on her and use what she knows is her biggest fear or, or trigger type thing to set her off and, and oh yeah because he, he knew he knew yeah you're absolutely right like he knew where to attack her yeah uh in terms of you know how to address her uh it was uh it, it felt very personal oh very much encounter so. in episode two yes yeah, he's sure. also not dead we've we've seen people survive stomach wounds in this universe already so he he's not yeah. dead i, I forgot i forgot that he dies in well, I, I guess this is a spoiler. Well, you, if you're listening, you already to this, gave the spoiler. Already spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he dies in in Rebels, right? So I forgot that that's where he dies. I was thinking like like I thought I, I sometimes confuse Rebels and and Clone Wars, obviously animated, but just the events. Did we see him in Clone Wars? In I don't think Grand we Wizard? ever saw him as a Temple Guard. We just get that no. that that clue drop Backstory. in Rebels, I believe. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That he had a he had a close proximity to Jedi. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that's. All right, well, let's keep going here. Um, here's another part that kind of really took me out because this scene feels like it was straight out of a Three Stooges gag. Uh, Obi-Wan disguises himself in a huge robe with Leia hidden underneath. Uh, and, and somehow in this base full of Imperial guards and stormtroopers, they just did not arouse any suspicion as they walked through this busy, busy uh, port, if you will. Um, and, and like the, even Leia peeks out and like you can say, see Leia's feet. Like I just, I just don't. I just again, I'll get to the question that comes up after it. But eventually, they make it to the hangar, and then they're surrounded by Riva, who shows up with with uh, the other Inquisitors and stormtroopers, and, um, and thankfully, and purge troopers. Thank you. I f- totally forgot that. That's that is a huge deep cut Jedi Fallen Order, and I was I was I totally pointed that out. Uh, I was like, that is totally a purge trooper. Um, so yeah, that, that to me was the deepest Jedi deepest Fallen Order. Oh, there's, but, uh, the whole episode yeah, was an O to Fallen Order in my opinion. Sorry for, for cutting sure. in, though oh, continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, thankfully the two, two modified snow speeders appear out of nowhere and they shoot up the port. Leia, Tala, Obi-Wan are rescued while Wade, character that we met at the beginning, is blasted out of the air. And then suddenly... Uh, an infuriated Vader shows up to the Inquisitor, Inquisitor base, force chokes Reva, reprimanding her uh, and basically telling her that she she's going to die. Uh, it was it was a pretty cool scene. I thought things got really, really interesting when Vader showed up. 
but Reva informs Vader that she had managed to place a tracker on the ship. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan, Leia, and Tala meet with Roken, who are saddened at the loss of their comrade. It appears in this moment, Leia embraces the seriousness and the fragility of the situation and looks to Obi-Wan for compassion. He reaches out and the two hold hands as, they see, as we see the red light of Lola blinking on, indicating that Leia's beloved friend has now become their enemy. So, and that's how the episode ends. So we got all the way to the end here. So I know there's a couple things here. First, the gag at the top here. Uh, what did you think of this? Did you, again, this is just another like weird r- written element of, yeah. of just that takes me out. I just I don't I mean, understand why it was there. I think what would have been really cool, what would have been really cool is because again, it's a very busy or somewhat busy hangar there. What's to say they couldn't run into one stormtrooper pushing an empty box or a box around? Take that stormtrooper out and let me see Obi-Wan in a trooper costume as he pushes Leia in a box. That is way more believable to me than walking with the captain. That That would have been been so new hope. They could still get caught. Like Reva could just be like, stop right there because she knows more than anything else. She was just talking to to Tala. So to me, that would have been a fun nod back to it. And again, a much more believable thing (laughs) than hiding a little girl under your coat as you walk because they don't like aliens in the empire. So nothing that big with four legs would be walking on a hangar or in through the hangar. It's just so confusing. It doesn't make any sense. And I, I like what you've just pitched there. I think that works way better and it's more plausible. You didn't, you wouldn't have even needed to explain very much. You could have just had Obi-Wan take out a stormtrooper, right? Then the next scene is them with some sort of a cart. She hides in under it. They close the thing. And then the two just walk through the walk. hangar like it's yeah. like it's no, no, no bit, no problem. And then you have Reva kind of come and confront and it, it kind of it draws itself out. It just was silly. I thought it was it, really silly. That was kind of the icing on the cake for me to just be like, oh, man, again, with some sort of wonky written. I'm sorry. I, just, I, don't know. I don't No matter how you pitch, it doesn't sound good written. Either, anyway, so no. I don't know how they decide to go with that thing because it, it again t- yeah. it takes you right out of the whole suspenseful moment, and you're like, okay, this is just stupid. Who, how is no one noticing this? Like, right, right, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, again, you called it the 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 two modified snow speeders uh, show up to save the day. I thought that was that was pretty wild that he was able to, as you pointed out at at the top, kind of inspire them to to want to use these ships for something more right like he kind of p- gave them the idea oh yeah which, you know what he's actually right we we yeah. could probably use them right? yeah, again so, which is very very much the rebel mindset they they reappropriate exactly. anything they can get their hands on that's they're a very much a hot rod fleet yep. of of ships that's exactly how george lucas described yep. them in the first movie and stuff like that so right of course they're going to be these modified and and you know kind of janky looking ships but as long as they get the job done who cares what they look like yeah yeah well we 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 lost wade apparently so that's that's unfortunate but uh i I gotta say when vader showed up things got interesting even the way the camera moved as he like stormed through the the hallway towards uh to towards reva and you know just grabs her and you know basically threatens to kill her right on the spot but I i love that that she planted a um, she planted a, a a tracker on Lola because if if you recall in A New Hope 
Vader puts a tracker on the Millennium Falcon. So and I wonder if get she away. gave him. Yeah. Yeah. And she I wonder if she gave them if she gave him the idea to then come back and use that in A New Hope. I don't know. Maybe that's like a very subtle Easter egg. But I, I'd like to think that that's where that happened. Yeah. This like, is the first because ah, he was very instance. intrigued. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he oh, like, wait, hold on. That's just, I, I never underestimated of doing that. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, I underestimated you. So it's like, you know, I think, I, I think he he hadn't thought of that idea, and maybe from the circumstances of this situation, he would use it later in a new hope. I'd like to think that that's how that all happened. I mean, it's it's head cannon to me right now. What I also liked <laughs> about that scene is that room that they go into. It was only on my second mm-hmm. episode because I started looking at things other than the main characters during the second watch, right. and. It to me it looked like the 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 red ring lining the room had like trophies of the Inquisitors' kills because they they almost looked like they lightsaber do. hilts. And at one point yeah. when the stormtroopers come in with Vader, just to the mm-hmm. like the left of the one stormtrooper there, you can see a pad like a, a youngling helmet, a youngling, and yep. it's just like. Yep. Okay, that's kind of that makes that room even scarier now. Like they have trophies in, of everything they've conquered, basically. Just yeah. Around in them. last week's episode, uh, it was it was actually called out by a variety of different uh, Easter egg breakdowner mm. uh, videos, like uh, Rocks New Rockstar and and Nerdist. Where uh, they this episode is the one that I noticed this. more than the the last one, so that's why for I really sure, stood yeah. out to me for sure. It, it definitely had more of a, a precedent, especially when Vader came in and and seeing I don't the know tomb like that they have of Jedi. So well, like, oh, they kept like every one of those Jedi's possessions seems to be in that room now. Like, yep, oh, chills. Yep. I do think though, like the strength of this show, as you were saying at the top, is a character study of Obi Wan against the villain that is Vader and and their relationship prior to to these events and i think that that's that's very under undertone in this series right like you know i'm not i'm not against this idea of having the inquisitors i'm not against the idea of even having leia i just think that there there's there's a little bit more of attention and precedence to their storylines rather than sort of the the hunt that i think Mm -hmm. that could have been far more interesting with seeing more of obi-wan and vader and vader chasing down obi-wan like cat and mouse type thing yeah Exactly. And like that, like, no, he's mine. You know, and the Inquisitors are are helping and trying to find a way to get uh, intel to Vader so that he can, you know, again, that that's kind of what set up right up into episode three last week. And now here it seems like we've gone to a real a real reset before we get to to our finale, because when Vader walked in, I was like, you know, it's almost like those moments when you're watching The Dark Knight and, and anytime Heath Ledger's Joker was on screen, you just kind of sit up and you're into it right especially after last week's episode of how vader was treated i think it's interesting that he just dominates in the short amount of time that he's on screen he dominated this scene and i was like damn we just need more vader in this series you know what mm-hmm. i mean we just need i to see more of him yeah i totally agree where it's like i'm not against having leia i feel like we could have gotten as much of the leia as we needed in the first half of the series and then finish the first off with, two first yeah. two even yeah but have obi-wan rescue her Form that connection that she relies upon and give her the inspiration to be a fighter, blah, blah, blah. But then as he's leaving Alderaan, that's when his trail gets picked up by Vader and it's the exactly. cat and mouse that we're talking about. Like that would be cool as he's trying to hide on different yeah. planets that leading him directly back to Tatooine because like that would be the suspenseful building arc that we'd want more from an Obi-Wan and Vader For series. Sure. Like this just... 
this is, seems to be turning more into the Leia origin story than an Obi-Wan character study, which it kind of does. It feels like it's, it's, it's an undertone. I don't mind it. Don't get me wrong. No, I'm not, I'm it's not just not what like... I was expecting, which is a bit of exactly. a disappointment. That's exactly. why I was disappointing. Exactly. It's because I was expecting something and while I'm enjoying this, it's not what I was wanting. So, cause it's the simplicity of the story. Right, like Vader, Obi Wan, and Vader. The simplicity of that story, the history of that story. We know what it means. We know that what it what it can do for Star Wars canon. You know, throwing Leia in while very interesting and probably leveraging her, like you said, just for the first two episodes. I am surprised at how long they've kept her through this series. She's it's now four episodes, and she's she's been in every single episode. Mm-hmm. So I think it's safe to say she's going to be here till till the finale. Um, but I really do think that what they are establishing in the sort of lighter tones between Obi-Wan and Leia is that she is a huge reason for him to strive to be better. I think that's very much what we're seeing. And also like in this moment that we see them kind of embrace and hold hands and we see Leia, I think she's like, she's almost adulting a bit in the sense that she's she's starting to really embrace again like i said the seriousness and the fragility of the situation and understanding what's what's she's seeing what the empire truly is that's what i think is happening and that's that she's waking up to the fact that the empire isn't everything they're saying they are which again is the core of her character she realizes that something's wrong and wants to fight it so yeah, yeah. which i like the idea of this being like like you said, a pseudo origin story that kind of inspires the hope, the hope that, you know, she will then take and become Princess Leia with and, and you know, be the character that we know and love. So I really actually enjoyed it in the first introduction. And I'm sort of into this um, emotional side that she seems to be adding to to Obi-Wan's character. Like she's kind of like the steward of his emotions, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like kind of helping him through it. Not, not in a very literal way, but like just her presence in their conversation and just the embrace. I think it's, it's giving him, it's giving him hope inevitably to, to, to do what, what he needs to do. So I like that they throw these that, in. That's more of her force powers coming through. Exactly. She's very empathic and it can go both ways where she can comfort someone just by being around them because she wants them to be more comfortable. So I, like, uh, again, I'm all for it. It's just, it wasn't what I was looking for from this. It wasn't series. what I was expecting. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, we, this episode being similar to that of episode two, I want to know the purpose of what this episode is going to serve to the bigger story. Cause I know that you're saying it hits a lot of notes of Jedi fallen order. Mm-hmm. And maybe this kind of gets into our prediction section, which I don't have a quippy name for, but let's just get into some predictions before we wrap this thing up. Um, with the heavy influence of Jedi Fallen Order, do you think they're what they're doing is just purposely canonizing that game into Star Wars lore as, as making sure that it, it sits within the existing Star Wars canon? Or are we going to see more of this play out in other in other facets, whether it be its own live action, whether it be seeing some of these characters show up? What, what, what's what's your take? Well, I think that it's just, the purpose it's serving here is to just, again, give you more of that Inquisitor backstory because the Inquisitors are such a large role in Fallen Order and it's just expanding their lore across more things, making that this base is their one base. This is where they come back to. It's where they're trained, all this stuff. And a lot of the Star Wars uh, stuff right now is just doing that. Like, they're really trying to draw connections between all forms of media, like the, the High Republic book, one of the references in that one, despite it's taking place 200 years before... Uh, the, the Star Wars stories that we know, 
one of the names they name drop is of course Yoda, but then also Laura Sant uh, like the Santeca family. So how they are integral in, in mapping out hyperspace, which again connects you to that uh, the sequel trilogy where Laura Santeca has the map to Luke's position through hyperspace. Like all these things oh, interesting. are yeah, being yeah, laid yeah, yeah. to connect the media across the years and generations of Star Wars stories. So I think it's it's definitely more just to to form that connectivity between all their media to really feel like it is one universe with a, one cohesive story, just different windows right. into it at different times. I would love to see right. more Inquisitor stuff. And it, I mean, maybe this is just setting up stuff for the Survivor game because we are seeing a lot of Jedi in back to tank mm. stuff. Maybe they're just again trying to connect to that or lead up to that game because I'm excited for that too. All right. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. I, I feel like this episode is, is very much just, it's pointing out, it's connecting itself to Jedi fallen order and very much the capacity that you're saying. They're trying to connect all the mediums uh, of where star Wars lives to kind of draw the thread so that they can, they can make it all connect in, in a way. I do feel like though, that this episode didn't necessarily need to happen at the inquisitor base it's cool that it did for the purpose of, again, giving more background and lore, uh, more background to the Inquisitors in live action. So we get to see this space. But it feels like at, at the same time, it might have been done for the purpose of a bit of fan service to kind of bring that into the live action a little bit more. You know, they are they have Inquisitors. They have these characters that mean a lot in Star Wars. So therefore, they're going to start bringing more of that in. So maybe that's kind of the 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 problem I might have because like it's not that I didn't necessarily like the stuff I love the stuff that we got from from the from the base it's just maybe that's why we got some of this really awkward writing in terms of situations and convenience and and ease it, it just doesn't seem as very threatening and and intimidating as you think it would like it looked more intimidating than you know than than they're walking through the 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 hangar with the child in a coat it's yeah you know, it's, it's kind a, of a mishmash right. Again, because it's very threatening and imposing in the game. It's when you like you fight right. Vader and you have no hope of winning against him. You're just fleeing yeah. for your life through this very dark and imposing base. So it's scary. And again, the writing in this this episode just kind of kind of crapped on that a bit because they made it so easy and, and goofy to get through for this non force wielder to just talk her way through things. And again, I, I voiced my support for that, but I also do understand that it it did break up the episode a bit and it kind of made it pointless now my re the reasoning i that they did go to the here i think would be the fact that it was the inquisitors who brought leia in and right. darth being the master of the inquisitors that is almost like a second base so that's why it's in the mustafar system so he can easily right. go between home base and work basically pretty easy mm -hmm. short commute for him so uh, mm -hmm. I do understand, like, again, that's more just being like, you know that there's a threat of Vader when you go, you see that shape building, basically. It's drawing the parallels that, right. like, if you see a big triangle spire looking building, Vader's going to be around somewhere. So right. I feel like right. that was that's just trying true. to expand his his presence in the Empire, at least. Yeah, I get you. I get you. That makes sense. Well, I mean, I'm very interested to see where this this is all going to go, but... Let's get to our our final thoughts and score, which will be on a rating of one to five Jedi in Frozen Amber. Uh, I, again, I've I'm really having a hard time hating on this episode because of how much uh, connections they're drawing between all the medium. And again, being the guy who does 
all the deep dives and reads almost everything and plays everything I can that is canon just because I want to know more. Uh, it was really cool to see that connection really sh- shine in this episode. But like you said, some of the, mainly the Tala writing scenes, every time she started fighting or doing more than just talking her way out of a situation, they lost me completely. Like that, again, the coat gag is probably one of the worst ideas I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie and could have been fixed with such a simple little thing, like I said, as having Obi-Wan put on the suit, which would be just like Han and Luke. Again, that that feels like a really big missed opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so again, because of that, hard back and forth between loving it for the uh, connections, but kind of hating it for the writing. I'm probably gonna have to give this one a, a 3.7 out of five uh, Jedi in frozen Amber, just because yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it just, it felt clunky at points. And as much as I love those references, the clunkiness takes me out of it a bit. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you as I've already kind of mentioned throughout this watch club that this episode felt overly clunky and, and really at the end of, they just kind of felt like filler with a little bit of fan service to kind of, you know, wet the palate of potentially more in stories with, with Inquisitors and potentially seeing Jedi Fallen Order make its live action debut, which I think would be really cool. Don't get me wrong. If that's what we get, that would be pretty, that would be pretty awesome. Um, I can appreciate that, you know, some of the nods and the callbacks to A New Hope, um, but the entire episode felt like an, you know, very a redo of episode two losing Leia only to spawn another mission to get her back. You know, the situations all felt overly convenient and, and, and implausible at times too, especially as we were talking about with, with Tala uh, in this open area with guards or, or Obi-Wan wearing this, this long coat to hide Leia. Um, I think there's just a lack of believability or even a heist quality that this episode was missing and I think of, you know, I think of the episode, uh, the heist from from the Mandalorian season one, when they have to get on the ship to, to you know, extract a prisoner. You know, that was just that was done in a, in, a re, in a way that I think was very reminiscent of a heist. I do think, though, the cast continues to shine through all of this clunky writing. Uh, while I, I really enjoy Tala's character and what she's kind of setting up, as we, as we were mentioning, kind of being this sort of heroine inspiration for Leia, I think even if 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 we don't see Tala make it to the end and she passes, I think that's going to be a weight on Leia that is going to stay with her as an inspiration. I think that could be the purpose. And Indira Varma is doing all she can with this character, but she's doing the best she can with this with what what's given to her. And I I, I do like her character. And I think the same is to be said about Riva. I love, I love her portrayal of this character. I just want to know more as to why she's so angry. I wish we, we got a little bit more of that off the top and really defining it. Like I want to know how she knew Anakin is Darth Vader. Like that information is not well known. So she's definitely been snooping and she's, she's trying to find some information here to, to leverage. So there's just more story here that we're not getting yet. And we, we, we touched on it. I love Leia. I love what this is setting up for Leia's origin story, but I am surprised that we do have so much of her. I think in the first two episodes, we could have given her back to bail. And because of this whole thing, he is now, Obi-Wan is now exposed and out in the open and Vader is aware of him. And that begins, you know, a four episode sort of hunt cat and mouse where he's trying to get around or, or whatever. I'm, there's 
people that are paid way more money than we'll ever get paid to write this thing. But again, it seems like there's a purpose to having her and I'm, I'm really looking forward to how they bring it all together. But for this episode specifically because of the clunkiness and, and the sort of repetition of what we've already gotten in other episodes, I'm going to be giving this a three out of five Jedi in Frozen Amber. Uh, I think that, I think it's, I think that's fair. You know yeah. what I mean? It's still no, Star Wars. No, I totally Wars. understand I, why. I'm not going to argue yeah, with you I, in I this think, case. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think, I think again, you know, having you on to kind of enlighten a little bit more about the Jedi Fallen Order touches, because again, I played that game and it's been so long since I've played it, and it's parts of it stuck with me, especially Calcas's character and and his importance of 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 what he symbolizes as as the Jedi. I, I think that you know to fuse that story into Obi Wan makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does make sense for us to see this character show up here, and maybe start working with the rebel these these the small rebel alliance that 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 seems to be forming and helping the path if you will you know still be what they need to be so there's there's a lot of opportunity there i'd love to see it but only time will tell we got two more episodes mm-hmm. and next week's the penultimate um so until then that's it for this week's episode of watch club of obi-wan kenobi we hope you enjoyed it and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions of the show uh, of this show or any of the shows that we're covering in watch club well you can reach out to us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com that's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com or you can reach out to us on twitter at geekcentricyt or on instagram at we are geek centric keep in mind we have a ton of other great episodes for you to listen to covering the world of movies and tv shows uh currently we have our spoiler free review for miss marvel live now as well we just kick-started another watch club for the ms marvel series where we get into the first episode with full spoilers nate hosts that with darcy and meg Plus, we have a ton of new content on the way, including a variety of new reviews, as well as a special interview with some Lightyear folk. Uh, I won't say any more. So be sure to subscribe so you know when our latest episodes drop. Darcy, thank you so much for joining me uh, for today's Watch Club. You're coming back for the finale, if I'm not mistaken. We're going to have I, I believe that's what I was expected first time, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> yes. to talk about it with the other guys. It's very nice, intimate one-on-one with you, though. So, for sure, yeah, this. we get to we yeah we get to do like a little uh, small Star Wars geek out session. Uh, it's been a while since we've chatted, so thanks for jumping on for for today's Watch Club. But as we say, may the force be with you always. always.